Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode. Before we dive in today, I wanted to remind you of two of our sponsors for today's episode. The first one is routine. When we sleep, we lose between a pound and a pound and a half of water, mainly from expelling vapors and sweating during your sleep. I started taking this product, oh man, probably almost two years ago called Morning Routine by the team over at Routine. And their product is a single serve packet that you just dump into water. You take it first thing in the morning when you wake up. What's inside of it? It's half an organic lemon, one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, Himalayan sea salt, all six essential electrolytes, and most importantly, no sugar. This has become my daily morning staple. If you're someone who wakes up and just constantly feels dehydrated, it's probably because you're not hydrating enough and not getting enough electrolytes. So before I drink that coffee, before I take any like pre-workout or anything in the morning, I drink one of these morning routines. Trusted ingredients, made convenient. If you guys want to give this a shot, I know these guys very well and they've been great, great sponsors of the podcast from early on. So if you haven't tried them yet, definitely go to their website and check them out. I think you guys really will genuinely love this product. Go to yourroutine.com and use code ShaneWhite30 at checkout to get 30% off your first order. We are also brought to you today by Elite Sweets. Elite Sweets is redefining the way we think about sweets with their Elite Donuts. I love these things. If I'm looking for some sort of sweet snack uh, but don't want to have all the carbs and the sugar, I grab an Elite Donut. Each of their donuts are packed with 13 grams of protein. They're gluten-free, keto-friendly, which is remarkable, and only contain one gram of sugar. Again, a staple in our house. We love these when you want that sweet snack but without all the garbage that comes with eating shitty food. Get yours today at EliteDonut.com or on Amazon. You can use code ShaneWhite30 on either website to get 30% off. All right, everybody. Today is a fun one. Uh, I had Scott Bennett back on the podcast for the third time. He's one of those people who, as I've gotten to know over the last couple of years with the podcast, he is someone that I go to every time I look at the stock market and I'm genuinely concerned. <laughs> He, he helps me really ground myself. Uh, of course, if you're paying attention to the media, you just never know what you're going to see or hear. And it's helpful to have someone like him who's in the weeds, who has a process that is actually going to allow you to continuously make money and get in and get out of things. Um, even if that's not your strategy, you know, I, I talk pretty openly on here. Most of the strategies I deploy, I am investing in things for the long haul. So I really don't pay attention as much anymore as I used to, to the daily fluctuations in the stock market. But Scott has a great formula. He goes into it. It's called Invest With Rules. I'll put all the links to his information and the stuff he does uh, in the show notes. And anyway, he's a great, great resource. You guys are going to love this episode. So without further ado, give it up for Scott. Good. I'm just gonna hit record. What's going on? Good. Long time no see. I'm trying to think. The, we did this. I don't know how long it's been. I forgot to look before we started. Um, that's a good question. Um, it was. I believe it was last year. So, 
maybe things were a tiny bit rosier in the market, if that sounds right. Yeah, I feel like it was. I feel like we were in a, we were almost in like a hot spot, actually, if I can remember correctly. Not the same situation today. <laughs> yeah, I, I think of the uh, the famous Shane White portfolio, I think I was, uh, uh, I think technically I was bullish on uh, Hormel and Spam is where I was back then. I remember uh, that. And Snapchat so, did really well. I remember that from the last and time. Snapchat fell off a cliff pretty fast. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, to be honest, Scott. So I, I was really excited to get you back on. I've been thinking just with how much craziness has been going on, it would be fun to talk to you. You're like one of the people in my portfolio of people that I, I trust to get a good, strong opinion about what's going on in the market. And uh, with everything going on in my life, I feel like probably, I don't know, honestly, the last six months or so, I've spent less time than I normally do just keeping an eye on things. And when I do, I just see red. So I just like, I'm like, oh God. And I just go back to what I'm doing. Cause I honestly, I'm just like, kind of like keep my head down and thinking like this will, this will pass. But then when I take a step back even further, uh, man, it's been, I don't know about a lot of people, but my portfolio is just in, in tailspin mode. So figured I'd have you back on and see what you think is going on and just get a good rundown of the market for everyone listening. Yeah. Well, again, thanks for having me back. It's always really great to see you. Um, I know, again, Scott Bennett with Invest With Rules. And really, I think no better time, even still now, to follow rules when it comes to investing. As we now, as you've seen over the last, call it year, just how incredibly volatile and uh, just incredibly volatile stocks, ETFs, really everything can be. Even as simple as people think bonds is safety is not so safe. Um, so uh, I, I, I always take a step back and just um, I, I look at things through a very data lens um, and I follow two really simple rules, which we'll cover today. Uh, but again, rule number one is buy what billion dollar fund managers are buying in uptrends. And uptrends is so important because there aren't that many. Um, and then sell what billion dollar fund managers are selling in downtrends. And that applies to both stocks and ETFs. And there's so many downtrends and there's so many people out there who either A, don't have strong selling rules. I know I've listened to your podcast and you're kind of a habitual buyer, never seller. And, and I will say I've, I've held on to that through this. I just keep buying stuff. So I don't know. <laughs> well, I think not that, I'm, not that I am. You were definitely the one I should be listening to more and more, but I, I have kept true to that this time. Because if you remember last time when the COVID, yeah. the whole thing happened with COVID, I sold a ton of my stocks and I kicked myself for it. So I said, this time I'm just going to hold on. I don't, I don't have to have it right now. So I'm just going to hold on and see what happens. Well, I think the biggest and the biggest challenge to that thesis. So obviously, if you're ever going to get out, you need a, pro a process to get in. Nothing's ever going to be good when you're based on your gut. But compounding is magical when the market's great. But compounding is ruthlessly bad when the market's horrific. Mm, and okay. I mean, if you if you drop 10, it takes 11 to get back to even. No big deal. If you drop 30, you need 43 to get back to even. That happened pretty quick in 2020. But if you do drop like uh, the crypto holdings of like 70, it, it takes 233% to get back to even. And that mm -hmm. takes years. Like, and that takes time off of the, the compounding clock where in a commission-free world, this is my opinion, but in a commission-free world where it costs nothing to buy and sell anymore, just to take a, I think binary decisions like an all in or all out are so difficult. But even if you scale a little bit out or in, um, that even action should help your psyche a lot. 
Okay. Um, yeah. I know granted there's taxes in a non-retirement account, but um, I just, I, I can't, I, I truly believe in, in just having some sort of a defensive process to an investing strategy. No, that makes a ton of sense. So um, I, one of the things when you were talking about just the background of, of your rules and the, one of the reasons I, I love what you do is because there is an analytical approach to this. And I think a lot of people just use the gut method to your point. Um, so I'd be really curious to know, even in the last six months, have there, are some of these billion dollar fund managers that you follow with your rules, are they, are they making money in this environment? And, and I'm assuming there must be some shorting going on and some other things. Like that's where my head goes right away when it's a bear market, like that's how you make money. But I'm one of those people too. And that might be a whole different, whole different, uh, bowl of noodles to get into is shorting, but, um, I don't know. It's something I've never really delved into too deep. I've just always felt like it was more of a risk and a gamble than anything else, but just curious, just from a high level, what yeah, you're saying. So I follow a, a large array of these billion dollar fund managers. So they can come in the flavor of like pensions, hedge funds, mutual funds, ETFs, um, private banks, anything that's over a hundred million dollars needs to report, but I, I have other processes that get me a lot of data a lot quicker. That's very ethical. So the answer to your question is there, most of them are, are down less than the market, okay. um, but still it's not, I mean, don't get me wrong. We live in a, a, a psychological society where even losing feels terrible. So even if you lose less, you're never really thrilled with that. Right. Yeah, sure. Um, but the, the two parts to my process that I truly believe in, um, number one is what these billion dollar fund managers are doing. And, and they've made a lot of money. They were late, but they made a lot of money in energy. Um, they were high. They have a lot of some of the long only they can't short. They hide is, is what they're doing. So, but there's really nowhere to hide this year. So even utilities and energy have been under pressure too, which has been the, the hiding place. Okay. Yeah. So the, so the first part of my process is, is all about just what are these billion dollar fund managers doing, but I'm always a, like, what could go wrong? And I think the two things can always go wrong are billion dollar fund managers are though, although they are wildly bright people, men and women with huge research staffs, huge sums of money behind them, they can get it wrong. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to be always just simply buying because funds are buying. It's let's say hypothetically they regretted their purchase, so you're definitely going to regret your purchase. Right. And then secondarily, markets can pull back and they can crash. So the second part of my research is is again no opinion. It's just data. It's I call it a trend roadmap, and it just over different time periods tells me are we in uptrends, neutral trends, or downtrends, and that overrides because it's a level of risk management because. I'm, I'm not immediate. I'm 30 days behind on most of my data. So right. that tells me that things were looking pretty sour to start this year. And it's been a pretty kind of a defensive, um, primarily defensive year. There's not that much that looks um, that appealing in today's world. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's crazy, right? I feel like it's been a, it's been like a slow decline of just like bad news almost. And I, I like I said at the beginning, I think I've paid, less attention to the news this year than ever since I started watching the news. Um, and I don't know if that's just because I'm busier or because I've just, uh, I've lost faith in a lot of it, but the market, the financial markets are the one thing I always at least keep an eye on to some degree every day. And yeah, it just seems like it's just bad news after bad news after bad news. So 
given given what this year has has looked like so far for you and i know you had some slides prepared i don't know if you want to go into just like i don't know your thoughts right now on the current yeah. market and i'd love to just get your overall opinion on on where things are and, and where you and your rules are are kind of putting i guess your your best foot forward right now yeah so I break out a lot of my research for members based upon their free time, because time is the biggest challenge when it comes to investing. And a lot of the time, I think um, it's hard to stick with the process. So uh, there's, I have strategies simply for those who have very little time to those who really want to pick individual stocks. Um, but I would just say that we are very much in a unprecedented time where a year ago we were... Uh, there's stimulus and we were kind of at the back half of the, the hardest part of COVID-19. And it's really hard to do year over year comparables when last year's numbers were just outstanding and you can't keep up with that type of growth. It's just as much as capitalism is, is always focused on um, increasing your, your profits, increasing your earnings, it's really hard to compete when the data is unfortunately deteriorating from last year. Sure, so sure. you look at this time where anyone who's now in the home buying process is, is really struggling where the, the demand for homes are, are dropping, interest rates are rising, inflation is, is lingeringly high. In any ordinary circumstance, the, if inflation wasn't this high, the, Fed, the Federal Reserve would be loosening monetary policy. They'd be lowering interest rates. They would not be quantitative tightening and, and kind of decreasing their bond buying program and what's on their balance sheet. So because we're in this kind of just deterioration of data, plus a, a really tight Fed, anything that's like even a, like a semblance of a bounce has been just sold into. So it's been this really incredibly hard market. Um, so there's so much negative data. So that's probably why you stop looking at the news so much. It's just sure. <laughs> draining. Is this the reality of it? So what I simply am doing, this trend roadmap just simply tells me, okay, well, um, it's time to play defense in U.S. stocks. It's time to play defense in some international equity investments, Bitcoin. So almost every asset class, a large majority of them are in what I would deem as a short term. So over the last few days and weeks, and the longer term, which is, I call it maybe more weeks and months, they're in a downtrend, both sides. So because of that, this is defensive mode Yeah. Uh, for me. Um, I'll stop there, but that's kind of what, what I see. And the other thing that's interesting is commodities, which have been boiling red hot, so predominantly energy prices. Um, those pulled back last week. They're kind of being bouncing around today. Um, the softs, so like the food and the precious metals, they started pulling back too. So it's like, wow, what a challenging time where uh, cash has been kind of friendly. Yeah. And, um, it's a lot more fun. I mean, I think the US dollars up 8% this year while the S&P 500 is down 20 and the NASDAQ's down 30. So it's like, whoa, what a challenging environment to invest long-term. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And for people listening to the one thing you just hit on, I think is really interesting that I think a lot of people maybe don't know a lot about what could you kind of go into the, the Fed side? So I think understanding a little bit more around the Fed's ability to change the interest rates and then what that means for home buyers, for example. Like a lot of people listen to this are I think in that age group of maybe buying their first home. So what what when they increased the 
interest rates recently in the last couple of weeks. What, what does that mean? Just in simplest terms for people who are in the home buying stage, for example. Um, well, very simply, they're affecting the rate in which banks borrow um, for themselves. So when it comes to what the Fed's doing is they're, in essence, making the, the borrowing ability of, of our society either easier or harder. And the bond market are very, very smart people who front run lots of different things. I, I remember when I worked at Fidelity for 16 years, um, I used to go to these these meetings where you'd hear from stock fund managers, you'd hear from bond fund managers, you'd hear from money market, money market managers. And these are wildly intelligent people. And the bond market's three times the size of the stock market. The bond so market is? I didn't know that. Enormous. It's the treasury market. It's why, why we're the world's currency. Um, it's because you can oh. flood. There's so much money going in and out of treasuries. Didn't know that. So, yeah, it's enormous. So because of that, liquidity because of what's going on, you, you have these bond funds and you have bond fund managers. They, they, they know that the Fed is raising rates. So very simply what they're doing is they are also um, kind of moving around their portfolios to adjust for that as well, to not get hit so hard. So it's a really interesting time where you've just seen mortgages go from over the past year-ish and so maybe from three to the high five percents. Yeah. Um, not including points and fees and everything else included. So if you're a new home buyer, your payment just doubled, which is kind of stifling for trying to get into your first house. Well, and, and on top of that, so that's that's the key I wanted you to explain. So your your price just doubled on, already on top of a housing market that's so inflated, right? Like it's crazy. I'm sure you can see this in, in most big cities, but here in Chicago, I mean, even our house, we bought this house. It's a ranch in 2018. It's, I mean, it's gone up 25, 30% in value in four years. It just, it, it makes buying, I mean, anyone buying a home, but especially someone like buying trying to buy their first home, it's almost made some of these areas and some of these cities like impossible to live in or, or at least own a home in right now. Yeah. And rents are going up too. So it's, and then also if you were to decide to sell your home, then you got to kind of go to the other side, what are you going to buy next? So, and now you have to kind of re reposition your potential mortgage. And now that's going to be a steeper payment for you. So it's, it tightens, it tightens people's, it tightens everyone's pockets. And it, it also, it, it decreases the amount that you're going to be able to spend every single month. um, If you're living on a, on a tighter budget. So it, 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 it affects everyone from just the everyday worker to the ultra high net worth investor. So it's, it really tightens the system. And what it's simply doing, it, it's slowing down demand. And when you slow down demand, you're not going to shop as much. You're, we are a very large consumer-based economy. And I, I don't want to sound so pessimistic, but that's just what the data says. So yeah. um, so you could, I mean, that's why the market's off 20% um, so far year to date. And it was down again last November too, is kind of the peak area. So could it get worse? It's it's possible. I follow kind of technicals and price on that trend roadmap, which helped right. me to determine where we're going. Um, because as much as I think you figured it out, it, it changes so quickly. And, and from your perspective, being into the weeds of the data, what's your crystal ball view right now? Like, do you, I know it's probably something you don't want to necessarily pick a, pick a number, but do you, 
do you think this is going to continue for a while or do you see the, is it light at the end of the tunnel to some degree? What do you think? Um, I, I am more cautious. Um, the, the honest answer is so like where, when, when would the fed ever turn course is the question. And okay. at the moment you need to at least see inflationary data, whether it's the producer price index, those who make the products or the consumer price index is what we're all buying. You need to see those numbers go down and the very first thing you need to start to see is the, the price at the pump go down. So, and that had, I mean, it's maybe slightly went down last week, but barely. So until you start to see that type of activity happen, you're, you're not going to see the fed being helpful and this is potentially going to get worse. So what would make me change course obviously is if we see price movement improve. Um, but this is a bearish environment for bonds. It's a bearish environment for stocks there are some kind of like shining like like areas of the market that once a market has fallen this far, so like some tech stocks are down fifty to seventy percent. Like there there is some intrinsic value out there, but there's still a lot of headwinds. Mm-hmm. No, that makes it, that makes a ton of sense. So it's interesting if if the fuel prices are an early indication of potentially this turning around. And I don't, this isn't a political question, just more curious. How much of that do you think is a direct indication of what's going on over in Europe versus other indications here? Like, is does some if that war continues, for example, is that still going to be a key driver, you think, to the oil price inflation that we're seeing today? Or are there other things that we can do as is our own country to, you know, remedy that and get the prices down? That's, I guess, where my head goes is just, is that, is that the direct correlation? And does, does A need to happen before B happens or is there other options? Um, it's a really dynamic question. Sure. <laughs> but I, I would say that um, there's a chance that things get worse in the winter. So if, if there is a majority of Europe that is somewhat dependent upon Russian energy and energy prices, um, that's going to be really hard. I mean, I always think about with my family, it's almost like whatever that energy bill comes in every single month at, I'm not going to question it. I, I, I need to heat my house in the winter for my family to keep right. my, my young son and my wife warm. And so the question is, is at some point you just kind of have to deal with it. So in theory, can prices get a lot worse and, and higher peak times overseas? I would assume it probably could. Um, and the United States, two years ago, we were talking about no more fracking, no more drilling, no more production. And, and we have a lot of our, we're primarily self-sufficient, um, but that's going to drive, it's a global economy. We're going to drive prices up everywhere. Sure, um, sure. And, and I think that's an area of the, I mean, I watched billion dollar fund managers a little late to the game I, at back a year ago, the S&P 500, 3% of the S&P 500 was energy. And I watched billion dollar fund managers gobble up shares of energy companies. So very simply, that was on my reports every single month that I share with members. I purchased a energy ETF just for those who don't have the time or want to deal with extreme volatility of lots of tickers. It's up around 100% from wow. a year ago. So I don't, as much as it's like, there's so much negativity in this world that could affect the energy prices. There are ways to offset the price at the pump. And one of those is to participate in what's in uptrends. And that is a very clear uptrend last year. And when there is extreme volatility and extreme risk, they're, they're going to pull the, 
the price is down a little bit. And that's so, so far of what we've seen. Got it. That's, that's wild. Um, the, the next thing that comes to my mind on the flip side, so I just, I was hitting on, you know, maybe younger consumers who are thinking about making their, a, a major purchase, like their first home. I know my parents are probably going to listen to this episode and they're on the other end of the spectrum where they both just retired like a, a month ago. So they're on the other end where I think, you know, obviously they're like, well, what should we, and they have a financial guy and I'm sure they're, they're having tons of conversations, but for folks at the other end of the spectrum, or maybe you were looking forward to retirement or you just got into retirement. Do you have any suggestions on that end of the spectrum of, of where to maybe move some funds or just in general, where your head goes as, as someone who's, who's deep into this? Yeah, it's, um, well, first, congratulations. Uh, that's a big feat for your folks. That's awesome. <laughs> Shout out mom and dad. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a hard, a hard, uh, achievement. That's phenomenal. 100%. Um, when I was a practicing certified financial planner, um, I'll kind of give you the, the, it, it sounds good. Historically, it makes sense, but it doesn't mean things can't get really harmful. Cause I, I sat across the table from retired families in 2008 and it was really hard. And sure. um, I was relying on my, my previous company and, and what most of the investment investment portfolios look like are some version of a pie chart of a percentage in stock, a percentage in bonds and a percentage in cash. And if we start with the stocks, we now know that they're down about 20%. Bonds are down about, I mean, not long-term bonds are down about 20%, but shorter term bonds are, are kind of more kind of single digit negative and cash pay, still pays nothing. It's kind of like when you're at the gas pump and they lower the prices really slow, the the insurance the investment companies raise the interest rate on money markets really slow. So mm -hmm. you so you're getting this interesting time period where you're in this portfolio of let's call it like 60% stock, 40% bonds, or 50% stock, 50% bonds, and you're down like 10 to 12%. And it doesn't feel that rotten yet. Um, but I remember in September of 2008 when this like the next leg went down. So you get these little bear market rallies and the next leg goes down. And the question is, is what's going to hold up your portfolio? And I don't want to, again, I, I feel like this, like, oh my gosh, like the, the, we're in downtrends. And when we're in downtrends, I'm just, I, I, it's almost unemotional. I'm just really defensive. Yeah. And sense. that's exactly where we are when we're having this conversation. Right. So um, I truly believe that, that as an optimist, just holistically, that we'll get through this. Um, I most likely the Fed will probably reverse course at some point, maybe next year-ish, um, which will then kind of send everything kind of right back up when they change course. So that's possible. Again, I, it's a, a prognostication at best. 100%. So when someone's retired, I, I do think that having some barrier of dealing with several years of kind of average to poor markets is really, really important. Um, I know cash is just like, oh gosh, it pays nothing, but it sure does a lot better than being down 20. So, yeah, yeah. so having that cushion is really, really important. And, and I, I also think that um, having some version of inflation protected income streams are also important. I know social security goes up a teeny tiny bit, but hypothetically, if social security goes up by three to 4% um, and inflation's at eight, that's not great. But if your payment's just straight flat, that's absolutely lousy. So 
that's kind of where the financial planning world would be. Um, areas of the market that I think are intriguing today, which I could always change course. The question is, is what economy, what economies have gone down like we just went down in 2020 that are recovering? And are there any countries or economies that are actually not tightening and they're stimulating? And the first one that comes to mind, um, I know everyone's always a little bit cautious when they hear this, but it's China. And those prices have fallen because of just simply lack of demand, COVID, um, regulation problems. They're down huge. And, but the data is improving. So you're looking at a situation where they're coming out of COVID similar to how we came out of COVID in 2020, in that April, May timeframe, they're right there. So oh, interesting. And they're loosening monetary policy. So, and I think the world's catching on to that trade right now, as it's now looks like it's bottomed and coming up. So that's a really interesting area of the market uh, that I, I've encouraged members to really do some homework. I've shared a couple individual stocks. I've shared the, the baskets or ETFs, but it's hard to find uptrends besides shorting the stock market. Yeah, um, yeah. There, there aren't many. Are you, uh, are you a big shorter? Like, do you do some shorting yourself? I do in incremental times. So okay. in level one, I, I do believe that if you are going to hold just a very simply um, stock indexes, like the S&P 500, the NASDAQ, um, small caps or in international baskets, so if you're going to hold these things, um, I do encourage... Um, because we live in these really challenging times and they can last longer than we think to have a process, not, not like I'm negatively so biased that I think the world's going to come to a collapse, but sure, over, sure. over a couple of days or weeks or months, could you apply a hedge so that your basket of stocks, they don't fall as far? Um, that's what I have recommended. Um, and simply you, you would be flat for the year given that strategy versus being down negative 20%. And that, um, take your net worth um, minus 20%, that would be horrific. So um, that is something that I, I do share signals. Um, some members take me up on it and they're happy. And some members probably wish they, they did that a while ago. Sure. No, I bet. Um, interesting. So I know we, we have, you know, roughly 12 minutes or 10 minutes left. Um, one of the things I definitely wanted to hit on as everyone listening, if this is your first time listening to Scott on the podcast, I think this is your third podcast with me. If I don't, it has been a pleasure. Three yeah. Times. Yeah. I, was gonna say, I think we've done three, which is awesome. You're in a, you're in a very small club of people who've been here three times. So thanks for taking so much time. Yeah. That's um, like a you know, five timers club. I love it. <laughs> um, but so I wanted to make sure we spent some time. You're hitting on it a little bit, but would you mind giving everyone a rundown of the group you're talking about, the club that you have, and, and really like, this is what you do. So would love for everyone who's listening. Obviously you have a wealth of knowledge and you're giving everyone some taste of it today and your opinions, but would love to spend some time going into what you do and maybe sharing how people can get involved and learn more and, and get on the train, just like I need to do. <laughs> well, I, I do. So I, Scott Bennett, investwithrules.com. And I'll, and I'll add all those links to the show notes. You're so the, everyone you're can the best. Um, I do share uh, what I'll call a web class or a training. And very simply, what it does is it goes over the rules that I follow. And again, I, I want to be on the right side of big money. So what are they buying? What are they selling? And then also, I want to be on the right side of the trend. So that is a process that I absolutely believe in is 
I, I always think when I sat back in 2008 working for a, a trillion dollar company, I always just thought like, instead of delivering, like we're in this later mid cycle economic phase, just to be really blunt and say, you know what, based upon where we are right now, this is a sell. This, it, it, and you would get that way ahead of when the news and way ahead of all the pain. So I, I came up with these two pieces of research. One is what these billion dollar fund managers are buying and selling. And two is this trend roadmap. And when you put those together, it gives you an awful lot of clarity to say, okay, well, should I be kind of stepping on the gas pedal with my portfolio? Should I maybe take my foot off the pedal at the moment and kind of coast just to see where things are, maybe uncertain, or really should I hit the brakes? And the reality is, is starting in around November of last year, we were hitting the brakes. Um, and then we hit the brakes really hard in January of 2022. Um, there was this kind of shimmer of hope where the market bounced um, it, bear market bounces happen. They're usually around seven to 10%. They last for around 15 days. Um, we'll identify them if someone wants to take advantage of them, but we're never totally going to know the low until the low is really in. That's the hardest part in the world is picking the tops and the bottoms, but we'll be on the right side of the trend the whole time. So that's what I do. Um, I always have the joy of uh, access to the, uh, the Shane White portfolio. And what's really interesting is you have great companies and they are good businesses, good business operators, but we live in an environment where there's just tons of headwind. And out of all of the stocks in the Shane White portfolio, there is one that is technically in an uptrend. All of the rest of them are in neutral or downtrends. And, and I need to I update that. I have, not that I've added anything to it. I just have not been, I've like, kind of like what you said, I've kind of been just like hands off the wheel and just kind of like holding on and I'll maybe throw a little bit more into the stuff I already own, but um, that's not good to hear. That's not good. The last time we talked, it was a totally different story. So this is a bummer. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry to hear that. But hey, um, the truth hurts. But do you, do you know, do you have a feeling which one is the, the sole uptrend? Um, if I had to guess, no, I honestly, I, everything I'm running through my head is just like down, 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 double down. <laughs> um, we're on it right now. It is ZM zoom. Okay. Because so, that had a little bit of a dip. I think last time we talked, I feel like everyone thought we were maybe going back to the office again and all that fun stuff. And maybe, and now we're not. So their amazing numbers were at the beginning of of 2020. And they have done just horrible all of 2021 because it went, I think, to a stock price of like 580 something. And then it went all the way down to 100. And part of it is the fact is how do you keep up with the, this massively large exponential growth of COVID? And the answer is you can't. Yeah, so yeah. you lost an enormous amount of value in that stock, not you personally, but just anyone who bought near the top. And now the question is, is okay, well, if you're a fundamental investor, can they monetize like the phone? Because they, they have a better mouse trap than those using kind of like the landline phones for all these corporate America. So which they can kind of move you from the phone to the webinar to, to all over the place. So fundamentally, could it maybe could the pain be over? That's what the trend roadmap saying. Um, but the pain might not be over. And again, you could always have these minor pullbacks, but that's probably the technically uh, meaning chart-wise in the trend roadmap, your uh, most shiniest position in the Shane White index from the past. 
Love it. Okay. So I need, well, I don't know if that's good or bad. It just sounds bad because I think everything's pretty, pretty piss poor in that list, to be honest. <laughs> Things could change over time. My portfolio. I'd be curious to know. So for you, for people following you, roughly, so you said the S&P is down 20, the NASDAQ's down 30 this year. Where has most of, I don't know how, to, how, you, how you monitor that, but because everyone buys and sells at different points, but roughly where would you say you are this year, just to give everyone context versus the market? Yeah, so if you just simply followed the signals on the S&P 500 um, as of this morning, you would be, um, so the market's down over 20. Um, following this buy and sell and hold signals, I think it's down seven. Okay. Um, oh, if you wow. hedge, nice. I recommend on level one, you'd be flat for the year. Um, if you use the ETF strategy, which I call level two, which is I share this all 11 sectors of the S of the S&P. Um, I, I like to share a few other ones like Bitcoin's on there. Um, that's been at a very big sell. Um, there's a whole bunch of other ETFs that are on there that is up uh, single digits for the year. Okay. Um, nice. And then the billion dollar fund manager stocks are uh, somewhere down like that seven to 10 ish percent compared to if you would buy and hold that would be down like 30 of those individual names. Um, not nearly like the exponential growth, like the ARC funds, which are down like 60-ish. So um, again, by just cherry picking individual stocks, there's more risk. Um, yeah. There's more exponential upside when the market's golden. But hedging in all three of those examples would have kept you either flat for the year or in kind of negative single digits versus negative double digits. That's, I mean... That makes me feel even worse, Scott, because I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking at my, so this isn't like everything, but this is like, this is pretty much my correlation to the list you're looking at. I use Robinhood for a lot of, of like, I would call it like my fun trading, right? I'm down 37% this year in the last 12 months. So I am getting smacked. Um, I am insanely transparent. I have a tab called scorecard where I just track everything. Okay. Um, so, but I, I'm sorry, um, but I, you're, you're always welcome to uh, invest with some rules. So, but I, I, I do have a, I'm a sold. Cap. again, nothing's perfect in this world. There's always risk, um, but you will get kind of a signal to say, Hey, something doesn't look right. And you don't have to kind of wait for your quarterly meeting with your advisor to have a, a, a kind of a conversation you didn't want to have in the first place. Right. No, I love that. And for everyone listening, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people that listen to this are in the similar boat, whether you work with someone or you don't, I've kind of been in this boat for a long time. And, and it's probably honestly a little bit of arrogance of just having a finance degree and then working in finance. I'm like, Oh, I know what I'm doing. Like, I don't need to pay someone to do this. I, I've been learning over the last two years, especially with COVID. It's like, it, especially if you're doing something professionally and you don't have the time I've, I've realized over the last year and a half of starting my own business and the podcast. I just don't have as much time as I used to spend when I had a corporate job looking at the markets, which is probably, you know, a good thing. I mean, I'm working hard on stuff, but so all of that to be said, I think what you're doing is awesome, Scott. And I appreciate you uh, explaining it. And I, it's really cool. Cause I, I think at the end of the day, having, having rules, I know that's the name of it. So I'm not trying to do a pun here, but having rules that's data-driven, right? Like that's, that's so important for people, especially when it comes to your money and investing. Um, if you make decisions based off of data, I, I'm just a big advocate for that versus being emotional with it. Yeah, I uh, completely agree. I also, I think just like uh, having that background in, in, in finance to have that financial planning buttoned up is so important. Um, but then also, I, I mean, I just think it's, it's so easy 
just to, to buy and hold and kind of not look. Um, but individual stocks, I mean, we are getting into a tighter credit environment. If they can't raise the money they need, it could, it could get ugly. Um, so um, at some point, maybe the Fed turns around and the whole, the whole thing changes and I am full of, uh, full of buy signals. It could easily happen. Um, but at the moment, most of everything that's data-driven says be careful. Yeah. Um, and I wish it didn't, but it, it does. Um, and, I, and I hope over time that, uh, that there's less pain to be had because I never feel good. I mean, whether performance is like up for the year flat or even down a little bit, it's, I, you always want to do better and you always want to sure, do, sure. and you always want to um, protect. I, I, I just adore my members. So I, I always want to protect and help them as much as I humanly can. Got it. Love it. And and we got a minute 30 left before I get kicked off of Zoom. So is the one last thing I wanted to ask for people listening, I'll put the, the links to get to all of your information just for everyone who's listening, who is interested. What does becoming a member look like? Yeah, absolutely. So becoming a member looks like you, you will get a, a monthly report that tells you exactly what these billion dollar fund managers are buying and selling. You do get access to a live spreadsheet that covers really about your incremental, how much time you can deploy, whether it's stocks or ETFs, and are they in buy, sell, or holds. It's very intuitive. There's videos that explain it very clearly, short, nice, easy ones. And then every single week, um, I kind of cover what's going on, the trends in the market, what's going on with the major asset classes, what to think, um, what, what's maybe going against the grain. And then from there, there's, I answer lots of Q&A from members that are kind of what's going on in their minds. And uh, I hope it provides them um, an enormous amount of value, kind of getting a second opinion on what's going on in the world. Love it, Scott. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate the time today. This was a very fruitful conversation. It's got my, my mind spinning on all these things I need to do, go and change after I get off this call. So I appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Good to talk to you again. All right. Good to talk to you, Scott. Have a good one. Thank you.